The long wait for Euro 2020 is finally over. In the build-up to the big kickoff, we are doing something special. We have scoured the Twitterverse to find a representative from each of the 24 nations competing in this summer's European Championships. We'll be recording a preview with each representative who will be sharing views on their nation's hopes and expectations throughout the tournament. And most importantly, the fantasy assets we should be looking out for. Welcome to Euro 2020 Happy Hour. Hello and welcome to our Euro 2020 preview series with myself, Sham, otherwise known as FPL2Guys1Cup on Twitter. And myself, Rob, otherwise known as FPL Panda. Rob, we've got another guest tonight and they are representing a country that is 21 games unbeaten. And that is Italy and our representative, James. James, welcome. Hi, guys. Thanks for having me. How are you doing? I'm very well, thank you. Good stuff. Right, James, let's start off straight away. Tell us a bit about yourself. Now, you are English. Uh, you're yeah. not Italian. Right? On a lot of these other streams, we've had the, their actual nation come on. Um, tell us why you wanted to come on to represent Italy. Um, my earliest memory of football, obviously, besides the Premier League and growing up English, was Galazzo on Channel 4. They used to be on early mornings. You know, on a, I think it was a Sunday here in the UK. Uh, I remember growing up watching those great Serie A teams, the AC Milan teams with Maldini and players like that and kind of fell in love with it there and I've always kept a keen, on, keen eye on it since. And as I was saying, I probably watched more Serie A games this season than I do Barclays Premier League. I just think it's a better league entertainment-wise compared to Man City or Liverpool running away with the league every year. That is you. very controversial, that is. <laughs> Uh, right, okay. So what football team do you support in England and, and Italy, if you've got one? Um, I'm an Aston Villa fan, unfortunately, in the UK. Doing a little bit better than we have been in the last couple of years. So that's been a welcome break. And if I had to say in Italy, it would be AC Milan, as I said, a bit of a soft spot. And I think growing up, they were kind of the boys of the team in, in Italy that really did it all. Okay, well, let's crack on then. Um, Italy, how did, you, how did you guys do in qualification? Unbeaten in qualifying, 10 games. 10 games played, 10 games won. Uh, don't think you could ask for a lot more. Goal difference was plus 33, I think it was, in the end. I think they qualified with three games spare, which was only, I think, only Belgium qualified quicker than us. Um, so I would say pretty much blotch mark three towards qualifying. But when you look at the quality of the group, it wasn't really a surprise for anyone. Yeah, I was going to say, do you, do you think it's a case of the group was really weak or you guys played really well? I I, th I think it's, it, it is definitely a mixture, but if I had to say anything, I don't really like the qualified process. I think it just caters towards the bigger, the bigger teams, the bigger boys. So I think, you know, I think you've seen it year on year that the big teams, nine times out of ten, run away with the group and it's left for everyone else to fight the second and third. Yeah, fair enough. Okay, so uh, during the qualification, who who played the best for you guys? Where, where where do you say the kind of the strengths and the weaknesses lie within the Italian side and who are the main players? 
Um, Weakness-wise, I'm going to start with the uh, Curse Number 9 shirt for Italy. <laughs> uh, I think if you look at qualifying, uh, Andrea Bellotti was the top goal scorer with four. When when you wow. scored 37 in 10 games, yeah, and the top, <laughs> the top great, goal scorer was four with, as a striker. Um, yeah, I think that's one that maybe sees a negative that they can't get a striker firing, but maybe it's a positive that they're able to share the goals about and they're not overly reliant on one man or you know a, a striking duo to do all the work and positive wise i think mancini's kind of implemented what i would call quite an attractive brand of football which i think caters for italian fans i don't think anybody wants to see you know maybe a fight a bank of five and then a bank of four and nobody really trying to attack and maybe trying to defend a one nil lead i think if you look at some of the score lines they're not afraid to kind of push on and um I think that will be a positive going into the Euros that I think once they, well, touch wood, they get out of the group, they can be quite gung-ho in their approach. And I don't think they'll be afraid to mainly try and outscore teams compared to trying to sit on maybe a 1-0 lead. Yeah, because the perception of Italian football and, and the Italian team, I guess, is that it's very defensive and they're not that where you're talking about that attractive brand of football. I don't really represent that with Italian football. Would you say that's changed then? I think Mancini, who's just signed a contract extension today till 2026, I think I think if that doesn't show anything that they're willing to sign a contract extension before the Euros, I think that shows the kind of job he's done and the perception I think is starting to change. And I think we're starting to see that transition away from the older generation. There's a couple still left in there that don't know when to hang up their boots or want to carry on. Uh, but this new this new kind of Italy coming through is, I think, besides maybe England and France, is probably one of the most exciting generations they've probably had. Okay, so let, let's talk about some players then, not not from a fantasy, fantasy perspective yet, but, let, you know, just in terms of in general, who would you say the main you know, the main players from your team are? Who are the really important ones that will get your team going? I think we're going to start, obviously, at the back with uh, Donnarumma, who I've earmarked already as kind of the potential that I think if he has a good tournament and the defence has a good tournament as a whole, then there's not really a lot that can, can stop it. Really. I think it's 13 clean sheets in the league this season and he's averaged 2.6 saves per 90 and he's a man whose contract's up... In the summer and that still hasn't been resolved so feels like he's been around forever 22 so 200 caps for ac milan already at 22 how old is he 22 he's only 22 did he make yeah. he's made his debut for wow for them at 17 16. yeah wow. i think he was just shy of his 17th birthday and by, and his eight, think he's... by the time he was 18 he was the number one i'm sure yeah and yeah, I think it's 210, 220 AC Milan caps in all competitions already. That's something. So he's, he's on track to be. He'll be player. Ace. He'll yeah, be Buffon. I think he will. I'll be. I think he will. I think he'll go down when we look at it in the next 10 to 15 years. I don't think there'll be a goalkeeper that gets near him in this next generation now. I think he's just unbelievable. Such a commanding presence at 22. You know, he's. He's had the captain's armband at AC Milan in and out the last couple of seasons. And for me, the fact that his contract's up in the summer, there's talks that Milan 
are working to re-sign him, which is always the rumour. There's talk of, obviously, Juventus wanting him. I, I don't understand why we haven't heard more of, you know, the big clubs in England or Spain wanting this guy. You know, they could have started talking to him in January. And I think he's just, he's going to be an absolute generational talent, as I said. Um, and if this contract situation isn't sorted, then he might be putting himself in the shop window a little bit with a good tournament. So I think there's a little bit of an added incentive there, if if you know what I mean about that. So yeah. I think, as I said, you look at, you know, maybe your Arsenals, your Tottenham's, your teams like this that haven't maybe got a lockdown number one or are coming to the end of the, and the number one with between the sticks. And I just don't understand why there isn't more hype around this lad outside of Italy. So I think he's key, as I've said. Okay. Who's next? I would go with what I believe to be the, the centre-back partnership that's going to go forward. That will be Benucci and Chiellini. I think, you know, they're household names around the world. I think it's 207 Italy caps between them, 101 and 106, respectively. I don't know another centre-back partnership that's even close to that coming into the Euros. With that many caps, that much experience, you yeah. know, Champions Leagues, everything else. They, you know, they've they've all they've both seen it all, um, and I think this probably will be their last tournament for the pair of them. Thirty four and thirty six. I think it might be a stretch. So, another. do you think they will start both of them? This is the the big one that's going around Italy at the moment. Is um, we must also talk about Alessandro Bastoni, who's the young 22-year-old that's come into the Inter Milan centre uh, centre of defence this season. Obviously, Inter have gone on to win the uh, Serie A title, whereas Juventus are down in fifth. I think there's a lot of calls for him to maybe start, and I think if Mancini decides to go with a back three, he would be my third centre-back to play with Chiellini and Bonucci. But for me, if it's a four-back with two centre-backs, it has to be Benucci and Chiellini all day for me. So just quickly touching on fantasy, just for a second, a lot of people would be thinking about a potential double-up at the back with, um, you know, in defence. Is having Chiellini and Benucci, Benucci a risk? Or, or would you choose Donnarumma and... Uh, like who's who's more nailed? Is it uh, Cellini or is it Bonucci? You know, would, out of the two, I would say Donnarumma will be, you know, barring injury, will be the number one. There'll be no question about that. Uh, and I would think second name on the team team sheet would be Bonucci. If I was to take one of the centre back pairs with Donnarumma, it would be Bonucci going forward. I think I looked at it today. I think Donnarumma's ownership in fantasy is already at seventeen percent. So. Uh, quite a popular keeper. I think he's second behind Courtois um, on select selected uh, picks, and Chiellini and Benucci are at five and four uh, percent respectively. But Benucci being that half a million cheaper, and for me possibly the more nailed on one of the two. I think if you're going to look for that double up, that half a million saving might be better invested further up the pitch. Okay, sounds good. Right, so who else? So we've got the, the three at the back. Uh, anyone else that you think is really important to this side? Uh, as I've said, I think the, the curse number nine shirt threw out, but I think if Immobile can replicate the form that he's shown in the Serie A, he's got 20 goals and six assists this season in Serie A. I think if he comes firing into the tournament, 
I don't think there's. I I I personally put two strikers ahead of him at the moment. I put Mbappe and I put Harry Kane in front of him. I think that on form and everything else, I think Lewandowski's had a good season as well for Poland, but maybe in a weaker side. I think if they can get Immobile firing, I think he he could run away with the golden boot. You know, such a difficult striker to deal with, big, rangy, but also has that turn of pace where he can go in behind and cause cause defences a lot of problems. And I think when you look at Italy's group, I think there's going to be a high amount of goals that's going to be there to be scored. So someone like Immobile up front, I think he's quite expensive on fantasy uh, perspective at 10 million. But I think he, the, the, the number ownership is 22% at the moment, which I think shows a lot of people are backing him to have a good tournament. Um, you, When we asked you for your player to watch um, for the for Italy, you put Chiesa. Yeah. Um, t- tell me why. Do you, does he start and what does he bring to this Italian side? I think when I looked at it from that perspective, for me, he would start. I, for Mancini, I'm not sure. I think there's a lot of good options in kind of this winger, you know, this auxiliary forward role off a striker, depending on what, what way they play. But for me, he's got 17 goal contributions in 30 starts for Juventus this year in the league i think that's a good return and when you look at him compared to you know some of the other options i'm looking at insigne is 8.5 million and bernadeschi is 7.5 million so once again you're saving this kind of maybe 0.5 to 1.5 million on a player with chiesa at 7 million that i think can be reinvested into a squad fantasy wise in maybe better areas and i think if he does start as I said, that kind of front three for Italy is one that's I'm sure will get bags and bags of goals in the group stage. So, James, before we do a deep dive into fantasy options, um, let's talk about your group. Um, how do you think you'll do within the group? And are there any kind of fixtures in there that you're kind of worried about, or where can we exploit? Uh, where can Italy exploit in this group? Uh, I think the, being the opening game of the tournament, there's no bigger motivation against Turkey. I think that's on the Monday night. I think that'll be a real kind of curtain opener. I think Italy will look to put down a statement early on about their intentions for the tournament going forward. And I don't really see a lot challenging Italy in that group, hopefully. I think the the Turkey game, as I said, I think will blow away Turkey. And I think Switzerland and Wales maybe offer a little bit more resistance, but except for Gareth Bale, who have Wales got, you know, I couldn't name any of their squad. And, <laughs> and, Switzerland, and Switzerland have got, I don't know, either. So I, I, not to be overly arrogant, but I think it kind of writes itself to be a first place finish. And obviously the team that finishes first in the group is going to get a slightly easier pull going forward. But I think when I did my predictor today, I think it was turning up to against Belgium in about the quarter of the semi-finals, which I think will be the first game where you really see Italy be stretched and pushed by teams. So looking at it, I think there'll be a lot of goals for Italy. I think the three defences they're put in front of them are, you know, maybe some of the weaker ones in the tournament. And defensively, I think Italy will still be compact in their shape. And the way they play and i don't think they'll you know be silly mistakes there's too much experience within that team so i, I think as i said except for wales maybe bale 
I don't really see a lot of attacking threat coming out of that group. Haven't Wales but got the best? Wales got the best Welsh Welsh midfielder in Serie A, haven't they? <laughs> he's only got not. one knee, but he's only got one knee. But yeah, I don't know. As, as I said, I, you know, I've said it all now. So Italy will probably concede four every game and go to the bottom, and you'll never see me again. But we've got to go with a little bit of optimism. And I think, as I said, if they qualify from top of the group, it gives you a little bit of an easier run at the knockout stages. So I think there's at least one or two games there before they get stretched by anyone that I think is kind of on, of the quality to beat them. Do you think you're underestimating Turkey a bit? Because I think they're quite a good side attacking-wise. I think I think they've got Yilmaz, I think, announced in the squad today. Except for that, I think there's a lot of youth in that team. I just, you know, Italy, well, as I said before, Benucci and Chiellini need 200 caps between them. They've seen it all. Donnarumma's had, what, five years in the Serie A already. He's seen plenty. You know, Florenzi's been playing at PSG, you know. You can say what you want about, about the French League, but he still they still play well in the Champions League. And I just think that defence is pretty solid. And as we saw from the qualifiers, against what I would say was probably lesser opposition than what's in this group, but of equal or par in parts, I think the, the qualification just proved that I think it was four goals conceded. Okay. Well, let's look at fantasy now. Let's do a deep dive. Now, we've spoken about a few options. I guess the first question I want to go through is, are there any players in the squad uh, that you believe look to be out of position, i.e. midfielders um, that should be defenders or defenders that should be midfielders? I guess that's the first question, because that's the main thing that, you know, all fantasy players want to look at. Um, So I guess question number one is, is that the case with Italy? I think it's it's hugely dependent on the, the system going forward with Mancini. I think if you look at it, I think it will be a 4-3-3. So when you look at the, that, normally that attacking three going forward is only built of one of those forwards that are listed below, which I think will be a Mobile. When you then look at the midfielders playing higher as what I would call wingers or auxiliary forwards in someone like Insigne, Chiesa, Bernadeschi, I think a real outside bet and a very good differential because I see he's got what is perceived as 0% ownership is uh, Grifo, who's at Freiburg. I think those kind of wingers that are going to push on and support the striker that are deemed as midfielders within this is something that could really be a good points potential. Okay. Uh, I guess the next question, um, are there any players here that you think look really undervalued? I've only looked at Italy's value compared to some of the others. I wouldn't know what... Do do you you guys know what the top price midfielder is at the moment? Uh, 10 and a half, 11 up there somewhere? Yeah, it's not huge. I think it's like the you know your likes of your De Bruyne and your Fernandes yeah. are going to be ten and a half, eleven. When I I look at Insigne at eight and a half million as a well, that's going to be a two million advantage to put into somewhere else. If he plays as a winger, they play a five back and it goes to a five three two. He probably plays just off Immobile as a striker. I think he's the one. Insigne is the one for me that if it is a five back and two up front, he'll be the one to support the striker. In a mobile, I think Insigne eight and a half million. 
is a no-brainer. And the man I'd like to mention going forward is Jorginho, who obviously isn't in this at the moment because of the Champions League final, but I think he's nailed on to have penalties and we've seen this season with VAR and everything else that there could be plenty of penalties. And I think when his, I think his price, it hasn't been announced because he's not in, in the, in the running, in the squad at the moment, then when we see Jorginho's price, if he comes in at, you know, the rest of these kind of central midfielders that are playing slightly deeper, a six and a half, seven million, I think he's an added differential with the penalties. Yeah, he'll be, be he'll be six, forward. he'll be six million. I've found him. Is he six? Yeah, six million. Okay. I I think when you look at Verratti at six and a half, Barella at seven is a slightly more attacking minded midfielder but will still be part of that three kind of sat in between the defence and the attack. I think Jorginho at six with, with the option for penalties and I think you know his penalty rate's pretty good in the Premier League. He doesn't miss many. He scored one last night, was it again? I think he's I think he's at that price is an option, definitely. And I think Donnarumma, as I said before, five and a half million, I think the most expensive keepers Courtois at six, I think that half million saving for what is perceived the weaker opposition that Italy are going to face, I think is a pretty good certainty for one clean sheet and two, I think he'll make a good number of saves as well. So who plays in the um, wing back, in the like the left back or right back position if you're playing a four? If we're playing a four, I would say Florenzi will play out on the right. And if I was to go off form at the moment, I would go with Spinozola uh, out on the left of Roma. But I think Di Lorenzo could step in there. I think Spinozola and uh, Spinozola is five and a half and Di Lorenzo is five, I think. the Which one of them starts is kind of the one that's up for grabs at the moment if it's, if it's the four. And I think, you know, half million difference for the starter is kind of it's going to be hard to tell who to go with going forward, but Florenzi, Benucci, Chiellini would be my certain three in a four-back. Okay. So if you were to say which players are nailed in the side, um, who would they be? Donnarumma in goal. Um, looking squad-wise, I'm the rest of the goalkeepers is a travesty for me. Um, <laughs> as uh, as a as an former Aston Villa fan, I've got to shout out Gallini, who's at Atlanta. Atlanta are second this season. He's got the he's got the second most clean sheets behind Donnarumma of the Italian goalkeepers. He's saved more penalties than the rest of them. He's faced more shots than the rest of them. I I don't understand how Gallini isn't on the plane as his second choice. I think there's some loyalty there towards Sirigu, but that's a personal opinion going forward. But Donnarumma will be the starting goalkeeper and will play every game. Fingers crossed. Chiellini, Benucci, Florenzi, Cherby goes off loyalty. Does he go off form this season? Probably doesn't deserve to go, in my opinion. But that's one that we can talk about if we want to. Bastoni, as I said, the youngster at Inter, you know, he's going to be a champion of Syria at 22 and he's started 32 games. This year in a three at the back for Inter. So I think if Mancini does want to play at three at the back, he would be the third centre-back I'd play alongside Chiellini and Benucci. 
moving into the midfield, I think from the looking forward, Insigne, Verratti, Benedeschi, Chiesa, Barella, Locatelli, and I would say Grifo would be the ones to get in with Jorginho, then also to come in. Which ones start out of them then? If it's if we're going with a four three three, it would be for me. It would be Barella, Jorginho, and on form would be Locatelli as a midfield three. Um, I think Locatelli is averaging a seven point three this year in Syria, which is pretty unheard of for a midfielder. Um, and I think then you've got as the two supporting a striker. Insigne and Chiesa would be the two for me with then Immobile there. I think there is maybe a call to have Bellotti instead of Immobile, but Bellotti and Torino have only just stayed up in the Serie A with one game to go and he hasn't got the same goals as Immobile. So I think he's kind of your backup striker, maybe your last 20 minutes if you're chasing a goal or the game's dead and Immobile has a rest. So I would think the Starting three up front would be Immobile, Insigne and Chiesa. Okay. Um, Rob, have you got any questions for James? Um, I'm just interested because, like you say, it, I mean, it's a slightly weaker group um, and some people, like strategy-wise with their chips, will be looking at um, possibly using the wild card or the limitless chip um, for match day three. And Italy could be one of those teams that um, win their first two games and then look to just do it, have a bit of rotation in the third game. Um, and I know you said about uh, Bastoni, he'd, if if the, you're qualified and even if you're playing at four at the back, like someone like Bastoni in match day three could be a great option at 4.5. Um, yeah, would you think I, they'd, I, they'd I, have I think that rotation? So. I think the, the biggest problem, I, I think, is what you've mentioned is a big possibility when we look at it fantasy-wise. As I said, I think Mancini's changed the formation eight times in the last 10 games. I don't think there's been two games where we've started the same formation back-to-back and obviously differentiated the personnel. So, as you said, if the first two games are won, I don't see him dropping someone like Donnarumma and, you know, if Immobile starts the tournament and fires and he's chasing a golden boot, then maybe Immobile's not one to bring out. But I think you're right that there's a good call that with Acherby being such an experienced centre-back, with Lazio and Bastoni having a standout season, would it surprise me if they rested both Chiellini and Benucci as the older statesman? Probably not. As I said, Spinozola and Di Lorenzo on the left-hand side I think is close anyway. So that could be a possible area of rotation throughout. And I think there's a number of really good options in that midfield behind what would be a starting three of Borello, Jorginho and Locatelli. You know, I think Verratti speaks for himself. Pellegrini's had an all right season and Cristante is another good option. And I think going off that, as you said, if there is two games, one and it's a, and it's an easy group, then maybe we do see this rotation, which obviously is a big fear for every fancy. <laughs> yeah. Who's on set pieces for you guys? Uh, Florenzi will probably be your main corner taker and probably that kind of deeper ball specialist for a free kick. 
obviously I mentioned Jorginho on penalties. Um, kind of direct free kicks going forward. It's hard. I would I would probably give the nod to Insigne if I was to give it to someone. But I could also see, you know, Benedetti and Chiesa have both got a good dead ball specialist. They are good dead ball specialists, especially good strikers of the ball. I think, you know, Insigne has got 27 goal contributions in 32 games in the Serie A this season. For a winger, that's really good numbers. And I'm sure I don't know the facts entirely, but I wouldn't be surprised if a couple are direct or indirect free kicks for goals and assists. So, are you going with three Italian players? Personally, at the moment, I am. I think there's a there's a lot that can change. I know we've still got some warm up games before the Euros, and Italy play San Marino of all teams. <laughs> I don't know what kind of warm up that qualifies as. Um, that's in nine days. That's on the twenty eighth. Um, yeah, the moment, for the purpose, just for the purpose of those listening, that game has already happened. Um, <laughs> see, we're, oh, we're, yeah. we're recording this uh, on what date are we? The 19th. 20, the 19th of May. So oh. um, that game has already happened. But uh, that's yeah. already happened. <laughs> half, half of the squad that's on the screen aren't there anymore. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And, and somehow, somehow, separate of one, two, nil or something. Yeah. Like that. <laughs> And, and Mancini's been fired, and, and actually none of them are going. I don't know. Um, Go on, James. Yeah, but I think you know a warm-up game of San Marino before, and you know I think we're still, uh, as of recording, almost a month away from the start of the tournament. Anything can happen, but I am, I do have three at the moment, and those are Donnarumma, Florenzi, and Insigne. Interesting that you've gone with Florenzi when you've said that he's um, a rotation problem. No, I think Spinazzone and Di Lorenzo on the one side will be a problem as the left back. I think Florenzi is pretty much nailed on Okay, a, a right back. I think the only other right back that's on that list at the moment is Lazari, who's more of a, what I would call a conventional wing back if you're playing a five, kind of pushed on a lot higher. He basically plays as a right midfielder. And this has been a lot of the questioning coming out of Italy the last couple of days is um, David Calabria, who plays for AC Milan, probably had one of his best seasons as a right back. And he's not even mentioned in the squad. And there's a couple more names in there if we really want to get into the weeds of it, that the Italian press are kind of saying, why aren't these there? Or there's good shouts for why they aren't here. And, you know, maybe if injuries happen, they push in. Okay. Rob, we got any more questions? Um, no, it's, I think, yeah, like knowing like that first, like the first match, well, the first game week, well, first match day of the first game week, knowing that, um, yeah, I think a lot of people are wanting to sort of kick off their tournament fantasy-wise with um, a decent captain pick um, to try and take the pressure off. I mean, I think from that first match match day, I think it's um, Ronaldo is probably going to be the one that a lot of people will be targeting, but then yeah. building up towards his game because he doesn't play till three or four days in. Um, and I, f I think, yeah, I, I mean, when I'm drafting my team at the moment, I'm trying to find someone and I've, I'm wondering, like, if you could pick one person as your standout captain, would it be Immobile or would it be 
someone else because um, of the price tag where you'd want to maybe you'd be wanting to fit in um, like I, I couldn't fit in immobile because of yeah. my forward line I, I wanted Kane in game week one I want Lukaku and I want Ronaldo um, so is there like a second second choice behind Mobley possibly as a captain pick for that Friday game? I've personally gone with Donnarumma, which is a real brave and outside chance for that <laughs> Italy team. But if I was to say one of my three Italians, it would be Insigne. I think there will be goals against Turkey. There might be goals for both teams and that maybe disqualifies Donnarumma as captain. But I think Insigne, I'm the same with you. I think Immobile at 10 million is a stretch for myself. I think my front three at the moment I've got drafted is Kane Lewandowski and Memphis Depay, and I think there's just better value in the in the forward line um, compared to him. So yeah, I would say Insigne if you want to be not as brave as Donnarumma. Yeah, it's, it's just a, it's an interesting one with yeah with having to think about it from like that sort of side um, side with the strategy of um, yeah how you're gonna play play with your captain and um yeah then like moving around with the chips and everything it's um i think italy are one of those teams that yeah you know, I, I i could potentially at different stages in the tournament have one player two players or three players um depending on how they um progress the other thing i wanted to get uh, yeah, going sorry the, the only thing i wanted to say was i i in my in my draft straight away just looking at it from a group stage perspective, I've tried to stay, as, stay away as much as possible from that group of death. So that's kind of limited down my picks anyway. I don't I, I don't think I have anybody from that Portugal, Germany, France group in my team at the moment. Yeah, I mean, I'm planning the thinking of um, doing the wild card in match day two. Um, right. Or it'll be the limitless in match day two. Which means, like, match day one is kind of a almost like a free hit, and I like yeah. that Portugal v Hungary fixture a lot. Sorry to our mm. Hungary rep, um, <laughs> um, and yeah, so it's just something that yeah I was uh, interested in. And the other, like, the other thing I was thinking, like, over historically, um, I mean, we've seen Italy, we've seen them perform really well at tournaments. Um, in sort of the last 25, 30 years. I mean, they won the World Cup in 2006. Um, but there's yeah. also been, like, where they've turned up at tournaments and there's been huge shocks and huge disappointment um, for, like, the Italian side and for the Italian fans. I mean, is there... I mean, we we say that this, this group um, that they've got with... Um, uh, let's get the picture up with Turkey, Switzerland, Wales. Or is are they free banana skins there potentially as well, where they could go in with a bit too much confidence and potentially like not beat any of them or um, only like pick up a point here or there and then end up in a round of sixteen with one of the top sides. I, I think the the only one I can see earmarking, and this is going off personal experience with England, is maybe Wales. We know Wales, if they turn up on their day, can play some decent football. And when you've got Gareth Bale 
you could be they could be three the lap inside twenty minutes off three shots on target because he's a world beater on his day and he's shown that at Tottenham this season and he's kind of really hit hit the form again just before the the European tournament. But personally personally for me, I think there's that right blend and I think Mancini's got it right, you know. We might talk about some of the players that haven't been picked that have had good seasons in Italy, but I think he's kind of on the right tracks with the the thirty three that's there, with obviously Jorginho to step in after the Champions League. When he cuts that down, I think there's a good blend there of both. You know, you've got your older statesmen, but then you've also got these new, young, exciting talents that ain't going to be afraid to go and play football. And I don't think it will phase them that they, if they go 1-0 down, say, to Turkey early in the first game and all eyes are on them and everyone thinks, oh, same old Italy, going to drop out the group early. I think, I don't think, I think there'll be a, a fearless factor to Italy this tournament that, Mancini signing a new contract kind of shows there's confidence there that they might even go and play it as a bit of a, a free hit and go, we'll see what comes of it and we'll just go and try and outscore everyone. Do, do you think that Italy can win it? <laughs> mm, that's, I, I just think there's maybe one or two squads that have a couple more x-factor players that when you need to rely on them could turn up and i think my my personal prediction at the moment is in the final it will be one of the the game will be one of france italy and england will be the three that two of those really? will make up the final for me and i just i just think you know you look at france obviously they won the world cup and we don't need to mention who's up front for them he could go and score <laughs> He could go and score 20 goals this tournament and they'll want to bat an eyelid. And, and really, it's the same that's thing. Just, that's just Benzema. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah, I mean, the talk, I mean, we're, we're sitting here the day after um, the French provisional squad was announced. And yeah, I think the main talk was Benzema's return into that squad. And um, yeah, Griezmann and Bappe and him could be something Lethal. scary <laughs> is, is, there, is there a better front three out there probably not We're, we could sit here all evening and discuss it yeah. <laughs> we, we could because I, I don't think England's front three is as good as that and I don't think anybody does so. hmm. well, James before we head off is there anything else that you want to talk about from an Italy perspective or a fancy perspective that um, you want to advise our listeners I would just say keep an eye out for Nicolo Zaniolo. He's on his way back. Um, he tore his ACL at the beginning of the season. He's due to be fit from the Euros. Everything coming out of Roma is pushing in the media that he will be fit for the Euros. And I don't understand why Roma pushed that without there being something in the background that nobody knows about that he might get. He might sneak his way in and the. When I watch him, he reminds me of Phil Foden. He's this small, diminutive, on the ball, kind of just plays it like it's he's in his back garden or he's round the block kicking it around with his mates. And I think if the murmurs are that he's going to be fit, he'd just be one I would throw into that squad as a real kind of, or maybe off the bench, maybe start, could be one of these. Do you think he, he probably won't start though, right? I think there could be a case that, you know, 
it depends how defensive Mancini wants to play. He could play two kind of sitting midfielders in that three and then push one on behind the front three. And there's a kind of attacking mid, kind of floating, kind of a role that we see Foden kind of plays a false nine, doesn't really have a set position, kind of just drops into these spaces. I just I just think why why not risk it? He's honestly I think will be another generational talent for Italy. Fingers crossed he comes back from ACL surgery, the same player because some players don't. But he just kind of plays the game fearlessly. And I think if he gets included with the fact that he hasn't got a season behind him, he might be cheap on fantasy and might get overlooked by the Euro fantasy pricing. And then if he gets on, I think the boy will have everything to play for and he might just rip it up. So he could be an option where you're talking earlier, Rob, about match day three if they win the first two games and uh, you're doing a wild card or whatever for match day three. He could be an option to start if they're already through. I think that's that's a that's a good possibility. I just think if he's coming back from ACL surgery and the other, the first two games are kind of done and dusted, maybe he gets 20 minutes under his belt. What games one and two just to build that bit of fitness, and then. As you said, maybe that rotation in three, and we never know. You could you could see that both of Italy's first choice wingers get injured before then, and he, and he ends up on the plane, and he ends up as a guaranteed starter. And I think it'll be one that's overlooked at a price point. I could see him being, you know, the six and a half, six million pound mark, which for a, a slightly more attacking midfielder in that three, Italy don't really have at that price. Nice. Okay. Uh, anything else you'd like to add? I think that's about it. I think there's a couple more names I can mention that aren't in the team, but I think that's just kind of press talk in Italy. That I don't think anybody's going to be. I don't think any nation's going to be happy with which 26 get in and which players miss out. I think there's a couple of options there that probably are more deserving, but maybe it's a tournament too soon for some of them. Maybe it's just Mancini with a bit of loyalty to the players that have got him there. Okay. Rob, anything from you, mate? No, no. God, I think so, I've got loads of info from that. <laughs> loads. Yeah, really, really good info. Um, James, thank you so much for joining us. Uh, we thank really appreciate much. it. I have to say your knowledge on Italian football, not being Italian, is absolutely amazing. <laughs> um, so uh, thank you very much. And I'm sure everyone will really appreciate that. Um, right. Thank you very much for tuning in. Uh, please like and subscribe and look out for our next installment. Have a good day. Bye-bye. Cheers, guys. Thank you.